Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Video Store Nightmares, the podcast where we discuss the strange, the bizarre, and the surgical films of the VHS era. Tonight, we have the great pleasure of discussing another of the films of Nick Millard, who made Criminally Insane and Criminally Insane 2, which we covered earlier in the podcast. And that is the shot on video classic, Death Nurse. My name is Luke, and I'm joined by Leland. Listeners, you can find 1987's Death Nurse on YouTube. But why would you? (laughs) And apologies in advance, because there is only one nurse again in this film. Well, I mean, technically there are no nurses, because I watched Death Nurse 1 and 2 this week as a gift to the listeners um because it it's not easy to watch both especially in a row but anyway i can't remember in which one of them it is but her brother uh dr gordon mortley it, it takes pains to point out that she never graduated from nursing school oh my god so we set the bar even lower yeah here we have a fake nurse the topic was nurses, plural. And so you're telling me we went from one nurse to zero? No, this counts. This is a nurse. Uh-huh. Okay. It's a it's a death nurse. So the death nurse is played by Priscilla Alden, who is the main character from Criminally Insane. What did you think of her performance in this one? It's not as good as Criminally Insane, but it's appreciated. One thing this this one shows is that she does have some range. Like, I think we talked about when we did Criminally Insane, to what degree is this just the way she behaves in real life? And I think this shows us that, no, it really was a performance. Like, she was trying to portray maybe someone who was mentally or emotionally unbalanced. You, you can describe both of these characters that way. They're just distributed they have different issues yeah you know in criminally insane priscilla alden's character just kind of reacts anytime anyone is trying to take her food away you know she lashes out but i don't think she's really interested in murdering people like i don't think she's a sadist but in this movie her character is a sadist edith mortley even her name is death right mortley um And you can tell, like, she laughs maniacally with glee every time she hurts or kills somebody. It's like a Saturday morning cartoon villain. It is. It's it's honestly, it's pretty good. Like one thing, if you watch interviews with Nick Millard, he says over and over and over again, like Priscilla Alden is fantastic, a fantastic actress. And, you know, I he he told a story on the DVD for Death Nurse that when he was in when he was trying to find an actress for Criminally Insane, he was only you know auditioning overweight as he put it women, and um, Priscilla Alden wasn't really an actress at that time. She was she didn't have experience, and so she was kind of the backup choice. And then they went and they auditioned people in Hollywood, like people who had acting resumes. And at some point, Nick Miller thought, you know what? The best person is Priscilla. 
like even if she doesn't have experience as an actress and so he cast her and then he just kept casting her in things over and over and over again and uh i do think she's pretty good if i was filming a no budget movie i would be happy if i got someone who could act as well as she can we've talked about this man in the past he is very cheap to, to put it lightly right he's a very miserly man I'm very surprised that this dude took the time to do Hollywood <laughs> casting calls. Well, hey, Criminally Insane had like a somewhat real budget. Like, I think he said it was a hundred grand, something like that. Whereas the films like Death Nurse, I think we're talking like 10 grand, 15 maybe. Um these were really low budget films that he filmed with a camcorder. They're shot inside of his house. They star his family and friends. Like these are no budget films. If you have seen uh, criminally insane Two, you have seen the house that that death nurse takes place in. Yeah, it's um, it, it's Nick Miller's house and his wife plays uh louise cagle in this movie the uh the alcoholic patient you know who i'm talking about yeah there's only like four characters in this movie oh true true and then in uh in death nurse 2 she plays a totally different character also a drunk but different character i mean when you got your stick you got your stick yeah and then his mother plays uh faith chandler the nosy social worker who keeps coming to check on the patients. All right, mom. And in this scene, I want you to get stabbed by Edith. <laughs> <laughs> and he does not show his mother in like a flattering light. I mean, most of the time she's dressed nicely and like it has her hair done, but he also shows her in like her nightgown looking all schlubby. And I was just surprised. I was just, I, I, didn't if i was his mom i think i would be embarrassed by that but you're not his mom <laughs> true <laughs> true maybe this whole family's shameless i don't know um but if you haven't caught on the story here is that priscilla alden is a a nurse in quotes and her brother gordon who's played by albert eskenazi who was also in criminally insane too um he plays the role of doctor and they are scamming the government, the social welfare system by taking in patients, treating them, burying the bodies in the backyard and then continuing to bill the insurance company or, or, you know, Medicare or whoever they're billing. Um, did you think this was enough story for a film? Yes. However, I would describe this entire movie as how a very shitty criminal would imagine this scenario would go, right? Like, so you have a plan. You want to defraud the government. You want to, you want to commit Medicare fraud to make a shit ton of money. When, and they play it in their head without thinking about all the finer details. This is exactly how it would go in their mind. I think that 
it's it's not just laziness though it's all or stupidity it's also that these two are sadists and like they enjoy torturing and killing people at least that was my impression i'm not sure about the doctor but the nurse for definitely well, the doctor is so excited about like doing his first brain surgery, for example, which he knows he's doing it with like, you know, a garden or or a, a he's doing it with a saw like you would use out in the tool shed. And he knows he's not helping these people. So I just took that as sadism. I don't know about that. I'm I'm the 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 bro okay, neither of these characters are all there, right? But it feels like the brother is definitely being manipulated in some way. That he's definitely submissive to her, right? She's the one in charge, unquestionably. And if she hasn't graduated nursing school, this man has never stepped foot inside a medical school. Oh no, they make that clear in the if it's not in the first movie, it's in the second. They don't specifically talk about their educational backgrounds in the first one. All right, that's in the second one. If not that they, they like, it's not like they need to, right? They no. don't even need to. It's very apparent. No, I mean, my main gripe. I we're gonna get into this, but my main gripe with the the story of this movie is it's just very repetitive. The movie's only an hour long, and it feels longer. And I think it's mainly just we're seeing the same thing happen repeatedly. And then Death Nurse Two is just another hour of it. Like it picks up right where Death Nurse One stops. So spoiler, um, for for Death Nurse Two, is it a lot like Criminally Insane Two, where you get maybe twenty minutes of original footage and the rest is just archival from the prior films? It's not quite that bad. In fact, in some ways, it's more interesting than Death Nurse One, but it does have an awful lot of scenes or footage from both Criminally Insane and Death Nurse. And so it, that's, it has, that's exactly why I wanted to avoid the sequel, because I figured that's exactly what happened. Like, I mean, in case you haven't seen these movies, even in the first one, they reuse footage from Criminally Insane, which doesn't make any sense. And they asked him about it in the interview on the DVD, like, I think the way they phrased it was, is there a connection between the two characters? And he said, well, of course there's a connection, but... And then he went on to basically say they did it for money reasons. He was like, if I already owned the footage, why not use it? And the way... You know, I did think this made some degree of sense. Back then, it's like... You were lucky if you were making movies of this budget that you got them in like 10 video stores, right? You were just trying to get them into the local video stores. So it's very unlikely that the person renting Death Nurse ever rented Criminally Insane. And so he's just taking that gamble that, look, these are regional films. They're not well distributed. People probably haven't seen multiple films of mine. So it for budgetary reasons, I'm just going to reuse this footage. It's hackery, but I get it. Does it bother you or does it amuse you? I understand the logic, but I, I don't agree with it. <laughs> It feels weird to use the term artistic integrity when we talk about <laughs> Death Nurse. <laughs> but it just seems like 
you know, this, this is your baby. This is, this is your work of art. You gotta, you gotta make it distinctive and make it stand out on its own. And it's not like this guy doesn't have the, um, air quotations talent to film more shit like the rest of the film <laughs> like like why not just bring in another patient and murder them in a weird way to, to span out that extra 15 minutes of footage you need to hit that hour mark it can't cost that much so the way i'm gonna justify it in my mind is that the character from death nurse edith mortley saw criminally insane and it was so impactful influential on her life that she now has flashbacks to it that makes sense it's just like in halloween 3 when we see halloween playing on the tv that feels needlessly complicated it, it just seems like you can <laughs> you, you can even just say it's the same fucking character <laughs> like she escaped the asylum and then she became a fake nurse with a fake brother to, to make money but then there's no food <laughs> angle there's no food angle for the nurse sure i mean it doesn't matter right Let, let's just get into the story in fact look there's no trailer so we're just skipping it this week we're gonna get because we're already talking about the movie and normally you know we'd play you some intro music but guess what it's the same fucking intro it's criminally <laughs> insane criminally <laughs> insane too the same piano <laughs> For same in background, the same credits listing. <laughs> in my notes for credits, I just wrote pitiful. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're right. It's the exact same credits. At least for Death Nurse 2, they changed it up. They did a different credit sequence. Um, but the ending credits were the same. The ending credits are the same for every single film. <laughs> it's just black screen with the end smathered red paint for blood. <laughs> so he got very defensive about that uh, in one of the interviews where they were asking, like, why did you use red paint for blood? And he he very adamantly said, look, we used the same fake blood that everyone in Hollywood used at that time. And the realistic fake blood just hadn't been invented yet. That didn't come out until the 90s. And that sounds believable to me, but it it doesn't explain why his looks so much more fake than most people's. And I think it must be the lighting. could be the lighting. Uh, it's also just clearly paint. <laughs> clearly. <laughs> like maybe he picked the wrong... The wrong tone the wrong color. yeah i don't know and, but look in criminally insane it's it's the same shit he used the same exact stuff and yeah it looks fake but it, i don't think it really affects the overall tone of the film like you accept it as you're watching it and yeah. and for those who are not familiar the first criminally insane is actually a pretty fun watch against all odds it's actually good yeah, I like it. Like, <laughs> I think I gave it like three and a half or four stars. Yeah, I, I think I was the same, like three stars. I was just really surprised. But um, unfortunately, that's that's where that's where it ends. <laughs> well, when we it, like after the reused credits, we see this guy about to perform surgery and, you know, you're in for something special as soon as you notice that his surgical mask is a washcloth. It's just a washcloth strung up there. I'm, I'm going to be honest, man. I thought that was a budget thing and not a character defining trait when this movie started. 
Oh, well, I don't know. When the camera pans over to like all of the surgical tools, it's like the scalpels or steak knives. And okay, we don't was... see that before the mask. <laughs> no, you see the mask first. <laughs> but that's the big reveal, right? He, he He's like nurse scalpel. And then it you see that the patient has like three or four kitchen butcher knives just kind of sticking out of them. And, and and of course, the patient is, isn't on anesthesia during the surgery, which is a big red flag. No, he has masking tape over his mouth. And the nurse, Priscilla Alden, keeps leaning over and wiping uh, the doctor's forehead. And we're going to find out that this is brother and sister. Um, but his forehead's not sweaty or anything. She's just like dabbing nervously as if he's uh, as if he's sweating. But eventually the doctor just starts to stab this guy, right? And then, yeah, we see we get that shot of all the knives poking out of the stomach. If you can get past how hokey it looks, it's kind of cool. Like, it's kind of a cool premise and scene. This is regrettably the best part of the film. <laughs> I, I do like how after the patient has died, he just looks defeated and says, it was a very difficult surgery. <laughs> Complete seriousness. I will say this guy, uh, Albert Eskenazi, is like, I don't think he had a career outside of Nick Millard films. Um, let's see. He has 10 credits on IMDb. But if what he's going for is deadpan, he does succeed. And I can sense when he's like disappointed or surprised like it's not like he's totally inept at communicating emotion no no not at all um but you know he's just clearly looking at his victim on the table here with an, an entire cutlery set inside their, their abdomen and he's just like i failed <laughs> yeah he's so dejected that after he's done burying the body in the backyard we get an awfully long scene of him eating ice cream i'm reminded of the scene in criminally insane 2 where <laughs> the man is dipping out dog food for about five and a half minutes <laughs> but thankfully it's not quite that bad there's also the scene in criminally insane 2 where priscilla alden eats the the cake or the ice cream cake you remember that yeah, but at least there was like exposition going on uh, in the background for the television. I, I guess. But th this next line, it really did make me laugh out loud. He tells his sister, Priscilla Alden, that he buried the body on the hill. So make sure we build a state for a more expensive plot. <laughs> I, I actually thought that was really clever. He he's mad that um that the nurse doesn't want to bill more for the surgery. He says it was a very difficult surgery and they should bill more. <laughs> this is at least a four thousand dollar surgery. <laughs> <laughs> like, Honestly, four K for a surgery in a in the US healthcare is pretty fucking low. Well, he's clearly insane and she's clearly like sadistic. And so I I liked the way they played off of one another. I actually kind of bought their relationship. Did they ever tell you the name of the brother? 
Yes, it's like, um, not on the script. I mean, like, and I'm not not on like IMDb or anything. I mean, like on the script in any of the dialogue. They definitely did uh, in one of the films because well, that, I I remember hearing it. Song. Yeah, um, <laughs> I always kind of thought of him as Doctor Diggs because he's constantly just digging in the backyard. <laughs> I think it's like a running joke that she makes him do all the grunt work. So like he has to dig holes in the backyard for all the bodies. And at some point he has to dig them back up again so that they can show them to the social worker and then rebury them. So he's constantly buried digging holes for bodies. So it's at this point where faith Chandler, the social worker calls to say that she's bringing them a new patient, uh, which she does the next day. This guy just persistently coughs like into a tissue or a rag so that he can't even say hello to anybody and you can't see his face. Oh, what did you think of this dude? If you were coughing this much, I think you would just suffocate. Yeah, it's not like I'm trying to figure out why they did it. It's it, tuberculosis and that's what happens, right? You just keep coughing forever. There's no other symptoms of tuberculosis other than coughing. I don't know. In the context of the movie, though, it almost feels like they're trying to make a joke, but it doesn't really work. I, I'm i just not sure what they're going for. But this guy is played by Nick Miller, the director. For uh, At first, I thought maybe it was an actor that like didn't want to be recognized, like didn't want to be seen, <laughs> you know? So they use that as an excuse. But uh, no, I, I don't know that Nick Miller would have wanted to hide. You know, that old TV crowd is just, you know, ripe for that roast humor, you know, <laughs> I take him down a peg. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Um, but there's quite a long scene where Edith and Gordon stare at each other oddly until the camera zooms up close on her face and they joke about how he might not last through the week and then. Edith says he might not last through the day and then they laugh maniacally <laughs> should we talk about Nick Miller's camera work uh guy I feel like we've done that before but it's been a while it I feel like it's an important component of this movie for better or worse you know it does this came out after criminally insane 2 right yeah okay I will say the camera work is better in this film than that one. And I think it's better in Death Nurse 2 as well than in Death Nurse 1. So there is an improvement. Yeah, there's less um, still reaction shots, you know, where one character says something and the camera's just focused on them. And then there's very clearly a break and you see the other character on a different frame and they do their exact response. And then as soon as the response is over, there's like a dead pause for a second before the, the camera then goes back to the other party. And it's clear that neither party are in the same room talking to each other. This is just how they decided to film it. Yeah, well, he talks about in some of the interviews where if he could, he would film the movie that way because he could hire the actors for less days and not have to pay them as much. Yeah, that sounds on brand. But if you have not seen one of this guy's movies, every scene plays out exactly like Leland was just describing. 
and then it ends by the camera and we're talking about like an 80s style camcorder here zooming in on some spot and there doesn't seem to be any logic to it sometimes it's like into someone's nose or into their ear and it just uh until it gets really small and then it transitions to the next scene it's it's really bad it's not effective at all after criminally insane too though you kind of know what you're getting into yeah and i i will say there's something refreshing about the way these rooms look and the way the people look like it's a lot lighting i think but it just looks real you know it looks like a home video or it looks like if you were snapping photos of your family in your house and it it kind of is because it's nick miller's house and it's his family and that has its own charm i i can get down with that but let's talk about the patients who they have um one of them louise is played by miller's wife and this is the one i mentioned earlier the alcoholic one uh she's been stealing edith's sherry out of the kitchen and uh edith is quite pissed because as she says no one ever messes with her sherry bottle what do you think of this character i am very surprised that this character is even alive (laughs) it really does not feel like edith cares enough about her brother to even allow him this small luxury yeah the only reason she is alive is that uh the brother trades alcohol to her for sex the only thing I could really think of is maybe because she's on like a constant therapy, that is a way to have in a, a constantly reoccurring income from the state. Like, you know, they can keep getting therapy uh, charges from Medicare or some shit. I don't, I don't know how this scheme is working exactly. <laughs> well, I assume they're getting their social security checks. And then they're also, I imagine, billing for, like, Medicare hours. This shit is so absurd, right? Like, this is supposed to be a doctor's office, but it's very clearly just somebody's house with a desk in it. Somehow, (laughs) all of these, you have uh, other medical organizations that are legitimizing this house nursing business. (laughs) To the point where they can't, they have a constant flow of patients, and they make it seem like this has been going on for some time. So right. they have like a reputation here. But you know, with all the people being discharged and dying, there there would be somebody paying attention to the statistics, right? Like someone in the state would be like, "Hmm, you know, the mortality rate of uh, nurse house over here is alarmingly high." You would think that someone would notice. But this, it's, is, this is what I'm talking about, where like this whole movie is like a, a brainchild idea of a criminal, how they think this shit would go without considering the finer details of the checks and balances of the system that would totally just knock this house of cards right over. So Nick Millard based it on a real news story he read about a retirement home that was stealing people's uh in social security checks um but then he turned it into this so in a way your scenario is what happened 
but stealing social security checks, I'd imagine what they were doing is just not reporting people as dying and then right. constantly collecting the checks. That's a more, I'm not going to say sustainable criminal enterprise, but that's definitely more common than what, I don't think this has ever happened, right? Like there's never been a medical facility that's taken patients, build Medicare or whatever, and then just killed them instead of providing care. Like that's never happened. I can't imagine it has happened. Like there's a there's a part where they're talking and they say they're going to keep billing for the tuberculosis patient um, for three months. They say that should be safe. And then they'll say he moved to Arizona. Maybe you could get away with that in the 80s. I, I don't know to just say, oh, yeah, he moved to Arizona. It isn't just that he moved to Arizona. It's that he moved to Arizona on our advice. Yeah. Can you imagine a, a medical professional being like, yes, you need to move specifically to this state? Well, <laughs> what I Arizona, <laughs> what what I got from it is that it would be a drier climate where the air would be easier to breathe. I don't think that affects tuberculosis at all. <laughs> I don't know if it does or not. I assume Nick Miller doesn't know if it does or not, but he put it in there anyway. I don't even think tuberculosis was an issue in the 80s. That's something, and maybe this like coughing stereotype that that he pulled out for this character was something that was more in line with uh, what was happening during his childhood when he was growing up. Maybe when mm -hmm. TB was probably more popular or more common. I almost said popular, like it was a fucking trend. <laughs> like it's more common, <laughs> but nowadays it's it's rare. It's hard. It's it's really rare to see TB, in at least in the U.S. Yeah. Well, they're going to get a new patient pretty much right away. Um, Faith Chandler calls and tells them. But the problem is that she also wants to look in on Mr. Davis, the tuberculosis guy who is dead at this point. What did you think of this as a as a plot device? This as as Edith calls her that old bitch from County Social Services. <laughs> I find it hard to believe that someone from like county would care that much about their patient that they would just stop by to, to see if they were okay i feel like their workload would be so high that they wouldn't be able to um spend that kind of personal attention on each and every patient yeah this character is really weird because she does act like they're her family members not just clients she's like oh i just want to check in and see how you're treating mr davis and she keeps saying this over and over again like she really really cares so like it, ideally that's what her job would be but in the real world like when you have social workers in this position like they don't have time for that shit they they have like hundreds of people that they have to manage you can't like stop by and see everyone right and i mean maybe Maybe this hasn't been going on for a long time. Maybe this is like the first patients they're taking. And so the state is being extra careful to check them out. I don't know. I'm rationalizing for Mr. Millard here. Uh, uh, rationalizing, coping. <laughs> well, there's a very, very long scene of Priscilla pacing back and forth 
because she's so worried. She doesn't know what to do about the social worker coming to check on Mr. Davis. And this is when she decides that her brother is just going to have to dig him up. Make sure you get all the dirt off of him. And uh, we're going to we're going to fool her into believing he's still alive. So he goes out there. He digs him up, drags him into the backyard and then proceeds to hose this person down. And this man looks like exactly the day he was buried. <laughs> no no <laughs> decomp, no blemishes. His clothes are clean. <laughs> and no, how, how long has it been? Uh, I think it's been a few, at least a few days at this point. Okay, so... Then Dr. Diggs over here takes the hose and just proceeds to uh, blast Nick... <laughs> in the face up his nose and you can tell this guy's trying so hard to be a corpse i know well it would be hard <laughs> if you had like a hose shooting water up your nose yeah it is reminiscent of criminally insane though where they took that poor grandma and blasted her with actual fucking bug spray or whatever what was i saw i saw in the yeah. face they could even do <laughs> prop lysol <laughs> oh yeah, I guess Nick didn't have a tra- it, it didn't have a problem with like abusing his actors. Well, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, in this case, it's him, right? So at least he's self-sacrificial. Yeah, I mean, he he's definitely not a hypocrite. You no. know, he waterboarded himself for the shot. Well, what did you think of the the ruse they put on to make uh, to make the social worker believe that Mr. Davis is all right? Yeah, so basically they pull a uh, weekend at Bernie's. They prop him up in bed, sit him up a little bit. They pull the covers up over him pretty high. And uh, I'm trying to remember, what did they do with his face? They wrapped something around his face, right? Well, they have the, I think they have a, it's either a bed sheet or they have like one of those face masks. And then from the sitting position, they have uh, the doctor hiding behind the far side of the bed, propping his arm up and waving it around. Like, Which, hello, social worker. <laughs> like, this is so dumb. It would fool nobody. He's just flopping the hand back and forth, limp wrist. It's really dumb. This didn't work for me at all. No, this this is this is what bothered you. <laughs> this is this. This this is what that broke the camel's back. <laughs> yeah, this was the worst part for me, especially because after they leave the room, the social worker is like, "His color seems much improved." I, I it it was it was too um ridiculous, but she says she's gonna give them a glowing review after seeing how they helped Mister Davis. You know what? That's it. Like if you could, maybe you can pull off something as ridiculous as digging up a corpse after a few days and passing it off as alive but like don't take it too far right don't add in that his color looks good and that they're gonna get a glowing review because he looks so good nursed back to health like you're you're stretching your luck there but priscilla alden has a good line where she says that's why I became a nurse. I like helping people. And then we get our first dream sequence. Because in between scenes, Edith likes to nap on the couch. 
um, which she does not fit on that well. So I don't know why she likes to nap there. But she dreams footage from criminally insane. With zero context. Yeah, it, it's... So do you think we were supposed to think that this is a flashback for her and that she is the same character? Yes. Like, this is her history before becoming a nurse. But we, you know, obviously they skip over all the eating and schizophrenia issues that that character is experiencing throughout the film. So they're really just using all of the action violence shots out of context to, I guess, provide some vague background on this nurse character. I mean, really, it's just to take up time, right? Even Yeah, but like, even if you haven't seen Criminally Insane, it it just seems like so shoehorned in. Like, what is this? There's so much missing here. It doesn't make any sense because you, you're seeing these characters from Criminally Insane getting killed, but you have no idea who they are. But so you didn't like this then? Nobody likes this. <laughs> okay, good. All right, I'm 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 not alone then. No, of course not. <laughs> There's a whole support group here. I mean, I kind of like that that this exists. Like, not that it's good, but I'm glad that somebody did this once upon a time, just so we know it doesn't work. Did we need this science? <laughs> did we have to test this? I don't know, but... Nick Millard is there, a martyr for the people. Um, the doctor badly wants to perform surgery on Mr. Badowski, but as Edith points out, they can't because they don't have a replacement heart. And he says, yes, we do, and looks at the corgi. It's a corgi, right? I have to go back and look. I'm pretty sure it is. Anyway, the dog, the pet dog. Which has not made an appearance up until right now. No, and is never spoken of again. So is this like egregiously bad that the film is commodifying a dog just for shock value? Somehow I feel like the reuse of old film material is more offensive than cutting out a dog's heart and using it as a transplant. For a person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe that's just the values of 2023 kicking in. I will say we see a scene where Mr. Badowski is tied down, his mouth is taped shut, and they're about to perform surgery. And I know this is really badly done, but it did disturb me a little bit. Like the idea of killing your dog in order to transplant its heart into a human forcibly, like that's a creepy, disturbing concept. It's just not pulled off well. How do you know it's their dog? All right. It could be a dog that wandered in off the a street, dog. I guess. Like, I don't think it's been established yet, but Edith keeps rats in her basement as pets and she feeds them parts of, of the patients that are left over. And then they also have a cat that lives in the house that we see once and is never mentioned again. It's just like that. I mean, really, I think these were just Nick Millard's pets and they wandered into the frame. But who knows? There is a, they do get a good joke here where he asks for the surgical saw and she says, you left it inside Mr. Powell. 
Yeah, and then hands him a traditional wood saw. <laughs> yeah. Like you would use to to saw a two by four in the garage. But this leads to this the movie's most like openly comedic scene where they drop the heart and the cat takes it. Or at least they pretend the cat takes it. And we see them trying to chase the cat around the table. What did you think of this? Um you know, some good camera trickery. They probably could have pulled this off, but uh, it, they they did not. It, it is basically they drop something on the floor in one shot and go, oh, no. And then there's a completely different shot of a cat sitting next to a heart. <laughs> and then they flip back and forth between what I believe is that same shot of the cat meowing next to the heart and these two numbskulls running around the table for like i don't know two or three times yeah what i wrote in my notes is it would have been so easy to make this decent and it would have been funny like if you had pulled this off it could have been a funny scene but they don't even make the effort they literally just put the cat in the same frame as the heart and expect the audience to do the rest that's a good way to put it they expect the audience to do the rest yeah it's like they want our imagination to put the heart in the cat's mouth but you can get a cat to pick something up like if you if you gave a cat like an actual cow heart it would dig into it don't you think i don't know if they'd actually would pick it up i think that would depend on the cat but they would definitely start gnawing at it yeah so yeah it's about this time where we find out about the rats in the in the basement she calls them her babies and then we're treated to shots of stock footage of rats. <laughs> but this leads the health inspector to show up. I actually thought this was a pretty clever plot device where the health inspector is like, yeah, uh, rats have been leaving your house and we need to shut you down. I'm not sure how the health department got on top of this so fast when, you know, they can't even figure out that this place has a hundred percent mortality rate. <laughs> hey, they're just moving to Arizona. They're just moving to Arizona. Yeah. Right. On their, on the advice of their doctors. But this man feels like he came from a completely different movie. Um, just has like a different demeanor, attitude, everything. He's only, he's, he's, dead serious <laughs> i bet this was the only person who didn't know nick miller ahead of time that is entirely possible yeah so he's the most awkward but he ends up getting getting stabbed with a butcher knife by edith and i mean a bunch of times like stabbed a bunch of times he threatened to take away her babies true and of course more importantly threatened to shut down the business yeah even if no. it was temporarily. They're talking about gassing the rodents. Yeah. I just it's this that's definitely not how it's done anymore. I don't think you fumigate for rodents. What do you do for rodents? Uh bait traps. Yeah. That's that's basically it. But what if you have a lot of rodents, like a whole basement of rats? Lots of traps? Oh, maybe. Fumigation is mostly for like very bad like bug infestations i don't think you fumigate for rodents 
The, the problem is, sure, you can fumigate all the rats, but then they're going to die in the walls and they're going to decompose. And uh, that that is going to be a whole separate biohazard situation. Yeah. Well, we get a bunch more flashbacks to criminally insane. The other thing that the flashbacks reminded me of is just how brutal criminally insane is. Like, even though it looks fake... She is like monstrous and chopping up the mannequin bodies and stabbing people. Part of it is that she's swinging a meat cleaver, but the sound effect isn't a chopping noise. It's like a beating sound. It sounds like people are getting bludgeoned to death with a meat cleaver rather than chopped up. Well, whenever we see like a knife or a meat cleaver going into somebody, it doesn't go into them. It just kind of thuds and slides sideways and i couldn't believe he showed us that like why not use trickery to try to hide the fact that your blades are fake no he just leans into it that would require a different camera angle we can't have that uh but this was this next moment in the movie was the weirdest to me where faith chandler the social worker shows up and she decides she's going to be a patient that's not how she frames it, though. She says, I'll be bringing you a new patient. And then she just shows up by herself. Why is she even a patient? Why is it even a surprise? Like, what why, did she... Did she, why does she have to, like, cause all these theatrics and be like, look, surprise, it's me. I'm the patient. Yeah. <laughs> what is she recovering from? Uh, it's never said. It's never said why she's there. Did you think that she legitimately wanted to be a patient or did you think that she was going undercover because she thought something was wrong? Oh man. Undercover boss. Yeah. Um, I'd imagine if that was the case, uh, something would have been exposed a lot sooner. She takes her sweet time trying to, uh, take a moment to go see tuberculosis patient again. Yeah. She enjoys a meal and some nap time in her bed. A meal that is, probably made out of rats <laughs> yeah that's the insinuation in the second movie it shows that um all of the the patients get like rat stew basically hmm. how can she cook her babies like that i don't know seems cruel. cool that is cold you know the dog heart was one thing but she is cooking up her baby rats you know, it's really odd because in all the interviews I've seen Nick Millard in, he says things about how he thinks violent movies are bad for kids. And he like he has a bit in the um, documentary on the DVD where he says he doesn't understand why as a society we censor nudity, but we don't censor violence. Yet he makes these violent movies and he's taught he he's always on about how he's a positive person and he sees the world positively but he has this brutal nasty main character to his films i don't know it just seems very at odds with how he presents himself that opinion has massive boomer energy oh indeed i mean uh i mean we we can both agree that uh there's definitely too much censoring when it comes to sexuality in public media but um to to go off and say that your films are somehow better than 
the other violent media that's being pushed on the public is is a huge stretch. No, I I agree. This it seems uh rather hypocritical, but maybe he means all of this much more tongue in cheek than it appears. Well, like uh this was a joke and we missed it. The delivery was too cool. Yeah, kinda. Well, after Faith Chandler has discovered, and I keep calling her Faith Chandler, but that's what they call her in the movie. <laughs> so, like, they always say both names. But Faith Chandler uh, has gotten suspicious because she went looking for Mr. Davis. He wasn't there. She discovered the drunk lady with the alcohol in her bed instead of, you know, being in sobriety. And uh, so when she asked to see Mr. Davis... Priscilla Alden says, get back to bed, you nosy old bitch. And she says it twice to her face, just like that. I loved it. You'd think the first time Faith Chandler, <laughs> the entire name, Faith Chandler would know something was up. But no, she waited for the second yeah. nosy bitch line to do something about it. <laughs> no, if if the person, if she sincerely thought that this nurse Mortley was a wonderful nurse and she took such good care of Mr. Davis and so much so that you wanted to come and stay here for whatever your malady is. And then when she said, get back to bed, you nosy old bitch to me, I would have been shocked. Like this is at odds with my con conception of this person, but no, she takes it in stride. Maybe she is undercover. Maybe that makes more sense. Well, she definitely did not do enough prep work. No, because Edith chases her down and stabs her again a bunch of times. When this nurse kills someone, she makes sure she kills them. Right? She stabs them over and over and over again. Even if the blade only goes in a couple inches, if at all. That's why she has to stab him so much, because the knife is super dull. Mm, that's fair. This is why you always take care of your cutlery. But um, this is all witnessed by Louise, the drunk. And so she has to go. But what's his name? Gordon doesn't want to kill her. He Dr. says he Diggs. won't do it. Dr. Diggs doesn't want to doesn't want to do it. He says he won't do it. Even after she teases him that he can do his first brain surgery. He says no. How are you going to explain that to Medicare? Yes, this uh, this alcoholic in rehab needs brain surgery to fix her issue. <laughs> I mean, one, I think that Edith is totally unhinged at this point and not at all tied to reality. Like, the walls are closing in, right? People are beginning to discover what's going on here. She's trying to clean up after her murders that people have witnessed. Like... She's not thinking rationally, but she goes up with a, a vitamin D shot, which is like a ridiculously huge syringe and um, ends up stabbing her to death, laughing maniacally. It, it's not I wouldn't even call it a syringe. I'm pretty sure this is not even a medical instrument. I think it's one of those things you use to like infuse meat with juice. Oh, Maybe. <laughs> or or maybe it's like a syringe for horses. Oh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's gigantic. 
Does she ever actually stab it into her though? Not that we see, but you yeah. know, we see the motions. But it, I don't even know if the syringe is full of something. I don't even think it matters. It, the the brother Gordon truly does seem dejected after this. Like he puts the bodies in the garage, but he says he won't go there again. I noticed they they call the they say the bodies are in the garage, but I actually think they're in the basement, right? Isn't that where the rats are? Yes. But Edith tells him not to be squeamish, that the little long tails have to eat too. I forgot she called them that. Strange that they bury some and then just feed others to the rats. Well, I think the insinuation is they ran out of room to bury him. How do you run out of room after like two bodies? Well, maybe they've been doing this for longer. <laughs> okay. We, <laughs> we, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know, right? So I'm just throwing out scenarios. It doesn't matter if they match or not. Consistency be damned. So these victims are beginning to... People are beginning to look for these victims, right? So someone calls to check on Faith Chandler and the nurse tells them that she was discharged. A police lieutenant shows up because he's Mr. Badowski's brother and um, he wants to drop off some magazines for him. But Edith does a pretty good job of diverting all these people saying like, oh, he can't have visitors today or she's been discharged. But the bodies are starting to stink. The garage bodies in particular. Right. And so he goes to open the garage and says, son of a bitch. And the movie ends with the doctor and the nurse sitting on the couch looking dejected. What did, how was this as a resolution for you? Criminally Insane 2 ended like the same exact way. As soon as they... I sh the first one ended like... No, you know what? They all ended this way. As soon as yeah. she gets discovered by law enforcement, the movie just ends. We're not treated mm -hmm. to any sort of uh, like punitive justice scenes or like an arrest or anything like that. It's just as soon as law enforcement sniffs out what's happening and they have the evidence, they have the probable cause for arrest. That's it. Roll credits. You know how the rest of this shit goes. <laughs> just so do you want me to fill you in on what happens next? Yeah, man, go ahead. Tell me, tell me what happens in the second one. So in the second one, uh, it starts with the the police officer knocking on the door after he's seen the dead bodies in the garage. Edith opens it and stabs him to death <laughs> real quickly. So the movie dispatches with that plot point, and it's never mentioned again. Really? No one, no one follows up to check on the police officer? No. In fact, okay. the... The there's a, another police officer, like a sergeant, that's so convinced they're doing a good job that he begins to send them patients. <laughs> they become sort of like a halfway house for homeless people. But anyway, at the by the end of the movie, the there's another police sergeant that shows up. He wants to search the house because the rats have been like there's a body in the basement and she pours lye all over it. And it drives the rats out into the streets and they carry little bits of human tissue with them. Oh, no. And, right. And so the police find them and they want to search the house. And so the second movie ends with her sitting on the couch again while the police officer goes to search the house. Okay. 
that's all you really need to know. Gordon right. dies. Oh, wow. Does yeah. the nurse kill him? Uh, yeah. Wow. Please, spoil away. There were Faith Chandler's twin sister showed up, so that way he got to cast <laughs> his mother again. <laughs> All right. You know what? I don't remember how he died. <laughs> I don't think it matters. <laughs> but no, the patients in the second movie end up being a homeless drunk again played by Nick Miller's wife and a guy who's like um a preaching marxist who's on and on about how like socialism is is uh I can't remember if he hates socialism or if he is socialist or if the movie confuses the two but it doesn't matter very much it's it's a little more interesting than the first death nurse just because they have to come up with more interesting plot twists to like keep it going but it's basically the same thing over and over again so like if you like the first one you're gonna like the second one if you hate the first one you're gonna hate the second one so how many scenes do they reuse from the first maybe like two or three plus oh my god that's like plus Plus two or three flashbacks to Criminally Insane. Is it the same ones that were in the first movie? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> yeah. So it it needless to say, I took some breaks. I watched these in increments. <laughs> So we're getting into review territory. You want to give your final thoughts and a rating out of four? Uh, I'm going to keep this on basic. Uh, <laughs> if you really want to experience the, this man's work, just watch the first Criminally Insane. It's <laughs> maybe by a complete accident, a really fun movie, even though it's uh, very untraditional in a lot of in a lot of respects. But um, Death Nurse here starts out a little promising with its first scene and then quickly degrades into a pseudo clips episode of, of a much better film. I, I do appreciate Priscilla's performance, but unfortunately it's not enough to save the rest of the film, which is uh, not as interesting. You know, maybe I could have, maybe I could have looked past a lot of the flaws, but man, i just fucking hate it when he's reusing footage from other films with no context. I hate that shit so much. I would rather this film be like 40 minutes long or even half an hour than reusing footage. Like that would have been a much better experience. I would have been way more excited about to talk about this if that was the case. The, the gore is not effective. It's hard to care about any of the characters. It's... I don't know what they were thinking incorporating animals into this plot. Like the rats are literally shown as stock footage. Like they, they, they're definitely not even in the same house, the same <laughs> floor color, any, and like nothing fits with these rats. Um, I'm just, I'm rating this a, a quick half star just because you get some original footage and then everything else. Why, why is this here? Well, I'm mostly in agreement. I'm I'm not a fan of the reused footage either. Um but I am a little charmed by it. 
I think that if you're into shot on video movies or if you like any of Nick Millard's other films, then it's worth watching once. But more than once is probably too much. Um, I do find I do find little bits of humor in it. Like I think some of the humorous parts land, uh, but most of them probably not. I think all the actors are fine, actually. Um, It's kind of charming to see real people filling these roles. You know, people that just happen to know Nick Millard. Um, They look like real people. They're lit like real people. And there is a bit of charm to that. But pretty much everything uh, when it comes to the making of the movie is inept. And I don't know if it's inept due to laziness or lack of ability I think it's mainly inept due to budget. And I think you're dealing with a person who was willing to make inferior movies on no budget than to not make any movies. Like, even if he was going to make bad movies, he was going to make movies. And there's some I I respect that in some ways. So I'm not going to go as low as Leland on this. Uh, I think for me, this is one star. And I'm going to give Death Nurse 2 one and a half. Just how, because. How? How is that a better film? Because they have to, they had to get creative to come up with ways to incorporate the things they wanted to. Like coming up with a twin sister, for example. Or, yeah. Okay, or, hey, hey, hold up, hold up, hold up. Yeah. We're talking about the necessity here, right? Right. The movie did not need to exist. We're not talking about like, you know, Germany's energy crisis right now where they're cut off from Russian gas. So they have to like fulfill that gap by doing massive coal mining. Like that is necessary to keep their, their country running, right? That is necessary. Why did Death Nurse 2 need to exist if they did not have the means to pull it off? It definitely didn't, but the fact that Nick Millard is happiest apparently making movies, and that's how he wants to make his livelihood, and he's continued to make them despite all the odds, I I don't know if that's foolish or idealistic or both, but I kind of respect it. It just comes off as like half-ass attempts. Maybe this is an ignorant viewpoint, but that's that's how I am looking at it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a little bit charmed and can somewhat look past that. But yeah, at the end of the day, they're not good movies. They're repetitive as hell and become boring. And that's like the worst thing I think you can say about a movie is that it becomes boring. So one star, (laughs) one star, one and a half stars there. At at least there's some passion here. Okay. I'll agree with that. There is some passion here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that's true about next week's movie. So the next film we're going to watch is the 1977 Al Adamson film, Nurse Sherry, which is also known as Killer's Curse. This is a pretty hard one to get a hold of. Like, I don't know if, you know what? Let me look real quick to see if this has been released at all. Okay, there is a there is a Blu-ray. All right, so there is a Blu-ray. Uh, it's currently $65 on Amazon, so um, I guess it's out of print. The DVD, there's a DVD for 21 I have a Japanese VHS, which is pretty cool. 
Um, it comes with like a, a promo booklet and everything, but I'll talk about that next week. So if you haven't seen it, check out Nurse Sherry and um, join us then. And until then, you can follow us on Instagram at video.store.nightmares, where I post everything we do. Leland, do you have any last words? Thank you for your continued support. Beautiful. We'll talk to you next week about Nurse Sherry. Oh.